All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first order, wrangler.com. You can use promo code GOJO15. Now, the guys, they had a chance to catch up with Chris Collinsworth yesterday, talk about the upcoming season, expectations, all that good stuff as we get ready for football. Take a look. All right, very excited to welcome into the program someone who knows a lot about our current dynamic yes. and situation here. You know him, the voice of Sunday Night Football, Chris Collinsworth, kind enough to join us now. And listen, Chris, we know Sunday Night Football, my dad's out in the road calling the radio game, so you see him every week. I want to know who's harder for you to deal with, my dad or having your son Jack out there with you with Sunday Night Football in America, bugging you on the road, I'm sure making you pay for dinner like I do. Mm, bit of a coin flip, but uh, Mike has never made me hold the jet to uh, fly home watching the <laughs> show, so... I got to go with Jack, yeah, yeah. I, I hope your son shows you a little more respect as the elder and have been in this business a little longer than my son, who right out of the gate just started ripping me. So I hope Jack is a little more appreciative of you. Running PFF, everybody in there is 12 years old. If you want somebody who knows something about technology, you're not going out and looking for 60-year-olds, right? I mean, there, no, none of us, we can barely turn on the television set. 
So I've got like nothing. It looks like preschool running around in PFF with all these guys and they're high tech and they speak a language and they roll their eyes at me. And that's that's I, I'm used to it. I, I'm, I already know we are the only generation that once you got to a certain age, you were all of a sudden the dumbest guy in the room instead yeah. of the smartest guy. <laughs> I, that's a fact that happened. So along those lines, what did you think of the story uh, that, that Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly, talked about, where Matthew's 35 years old, said he's having a hard time relating to the young players because they come in from practice or whatever, and they're always on their phones and doesn't seem to be that, 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 that locker room that I know a lot of us are, are used to. What was that again, Mike? Oh, <laughs> <there it is. laughs> yeah. Yeah, Keep going. Yeah. Get... You know what? You know, it was funny. Uh, Kenny Anderson said the same thing kind of when, when I came in there. Um, but alcohol was always the great equalizer, right? I mean, you could always, with Kenny, as long as you were going to go out and just, you didn't even have to drink, just sit beside him so he could drink. He was happy. He didn't care. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it's, it is funny. And, and the one thing that I couldn't believe that I actually heard from a head coach this past year was that they have to give them phone breaks. And I was like, what said so we have to give them phone breaks and they don't have to leave the room or go to the bathroom or anything like that ever, but you have to allow them to reach in their back pocket and pull out their phone and check it to make sure nothing big's going on. Then they put it away and then they'll listen again. But if you don't give them a phone break, they, they can't pay attention. <laughs> My God. I swear, a... I'm not kidding you. That is the truth. I, uh, that is uh, got to be a challenge that I'd imagine most of the coaches, especially some of the older coaches oh, around there, yeah. you know, maybe if you're Sean McVay, you also kind of need the phone break too. But I'd imagine there's some of the elder statesmen in this league. Having Mike Tomlin broached about the idea of a phone break seems like it's probably a bit of a foreign concept. Say, so, yeah. uh, Chris, maybe that'd be true for Mike McCarthy. Your guys' first Sunday night game is going to be the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. They've also got an interesting situation, though, and I'm curious for your thought on how the Dallas Cowboys handled the acquisition of Trey Lance. They trade for the former number three overall pick, and we hear that they didn't approach Dak Prescott and give him a heads up on this. Do you agree with how they handled that, or did they owe their quarterback an explanation here? Well, you, you know that I think Dak, I may have this wrong, but I think if nothing changes on his contract, is owed like $58 million or something next year. And of course, the word out of Dallas is this has nothing to do with the contract. And I don't think that it directly does because there were certainly other teams in on the bidding war for Trey Lance. Uh, and why not? I mean, here's a guy that certainly would have, for any NFL team, gone in the first round uh, this past year. And here he is now for a fourth rounder after he's come off an injury, after he's had a bit of a tough time. And actually, frankly, the, the 49ers found what they think is going to be their quarterback of the future in Brock Purdy. So um, it's an opportunity for him. I'm sure that he was really excited to get a chance to go and play for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys in pretty good shape at the quarterback position right now, but leverage is leverage. And Jerry Jones didn't end up with the most valuable NFL franchise in NFL history because he doesn't know how to do business. Leverage is now showing up in Dallas and it doesn't mean anything, right? He may not even, he may never be an NFL player for all I know. I, it doesn't make any difference. 
but sitting there on the bench and if they get him to drop back and throw one about 70 yards down the field, they're at least going to get Dak's attention. Yeah, without a doubt. And it didn't, as you said, didn't cost him a whole lot anyway. How about teams like going for it? We saw what the Rams did, making enough trades and not have a draft pick for the next 50 years, but they won a Super Bowl. We saw Tampa Bay bring in Tom Brady and acquire talent and won a Super Bowl. Now we see the Jets and the move they made. Aaron Rodgers wanted to be there and all the moves around that. What's acceptable to them in the next couple of years that says this was the right move? I think they have to win a Super Bowl. I mean, we've seen it before, right? We, we saw it with the Rams. We saw it with Tampa. Uh, I'm sure Denver thought they were going to see it with Russell. And who knows what Sean out there now. Maybe they get, get it kicked into gear here. But with all the attention that Aaron has gotten, and honestly, we did the Hall of Fame game. I don't think I've ever seen him so happy. I mean, he just, you know, he gets grumpy with me all the time, whatever <laughs> I say something wrong or said something 20 years ago or whatever. But um, he, you know, he was just happy. He was in a good mood. I think he was uh, enjoying teaching. I think he was enjoying being around all the young talent and, you know, he didn't have to every minute look over his shoulder at the quarterback that Green Bay dropped, uh, drafted, uh, that I'm sure in his mind he was thinking, you know, if you had given me a wide receiver in the first round or a tackle or whatever the case may be, uh, those years we were playing in the championship game, that we might have had another Super Bowl ring. And I'm sure that sticks in his crawl forever but now that he's out there and it's like he is just loved it. And it's kind of for the Jets, like, what the heck? What do they have to lose, right? I mean, nobody was talking about them in that division. And now all of a sudden, it's there. And you go, okay, they had the defensive rookie of the year. They had the offensive rookie of the year. They had the number four ranked defense in all of football a season ago. They think they're gonna be the number one ranked defense. They can rush the passer. They can cover on the back end. And if Aaron Rodgers just sort of gets them 24, 25 points a game, I think the Jets are gonna be a lot to handle. That's a tough division, but there's a reason that people are talking about this team. A lot of excitement around the New York Jets. There's no doubt about that. You're down in your basement film layer right now. You're grinding, getting ready for the season. I'm curious. We've talked about some of the teams involved in this conversation. Who are you most excited to see this NFL season? Who's piqued your interest coming off the offseason and preseason? You know, I, I, I think you start with the Jets. I, I do think they're the single most of the interesting teams. I think they're the most of those interesting teams. Um, I, I keep I, I know it's my hometown team and I've never picked them to win anything, but I'm picking the Bengals to win the Super Bowl this year. I, I, I just am. I, I, I look at what Joe Burrow has done in his career and I just got finished watching that quarterback show, you know, that Peyton yeah. Manning put together. I thought that was fantastic. I, I just really enjoyed the heck out of that. And but you look at how close the Bengals have been. And even when they got beat last year by the Kansas City Chiefs in that championship game, if they don't have that play, the late hit on Mahomes going out of bounds, they're not kicking the game-winning field goal right there. They're, they're back at midfield somewhere. Not, they may have hit another play with 17 seconds and done it. I don't know. But Joe Burrow has beaten Mahomes, had beaten them three straight going into that championship game, almost went to Kansas City and beat them again. And so now you've got an Orlando Brown's coming over from his blind side 
to Joe Burrow's blind side now. They've got, uh, you know, just a tremendous group of, of, uh, of guys at the skill position uh, all the way across the board. I just look at this team as, as a team that is due, you know, as I was saying, put a ring on the thing. I mean, Joe Burrow has done everything but put a ring on it. And when you come that far, that it, it just kind of feels like time for me now. And I, I don't have anything special about it, but I, I really, the other guy I really think is special guy is Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator. And they're going to switch out the safety position. They're going to switch out some of the young cornerbacks back there. But this is, this is a team that I feel like is ready. They'll feel a lot better about writing those big checks if they have a Super Bowl ring on their finger because they got some big checks to write in the next couple of years. Uh, I'm sure Mike Brown's getting a little, a little oh, <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Chris, I'm wondering, we, we keep hearing, oh, man, the quarterback, if he's a running quarterback, needs to run less so they don't get injured. We talk about Lamar Jackson. We talk about Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Even Lamar gets a new coordinator. So is it going to be more passing? And it, it, But the best those teams do are when the quarterback is a running threat. So how much do you buy into this team can be successful if the quarterback doesn't run like he normally runs? Some, I, I think some. It, that, but I really feel like we've got the paradigm shift going in the NFL now that, um, you know, those all those inside and outside zone plays and, and – if I had Peyton Manning on my team, if I had Johnny Unitas on my team right now, I, I would run them at least two or three times a game out the backside of those zone runs. Because if you allow that backside edge player to just crash down, he's just going to catch too many of them. And so on occasion, you have to at least represent to them that you're going you're gonna to pull that ball down. And, of course, you can always RPO and do that. But that quarterback run sometimes can just be backbreaking. Now you put a guy like Lamar or Josh Allen, one of those guys back there in that position, and they go for 40. Now you you don't know what to do. And you're already gaining an advantage because with the RPO stuff, that backside linebacker, he can't move. He can't move anymore. He's got to sit right there and wait for that backside run possibility on the slant, either a run or a slant in behind him. And so they've taken one person out of pursuit to go to the front side. So now you're running on the front side, one man short over there. And all of a sudden that guy starts flowing. Either the quarterback runs or you hit a slant in behind it. There are times when like the Philadelphia Eagles last year would get it going. I'm like, this is not fair. <laughs> this is just not fair. You cannot stop this. There are too many things, too many ways for the offense to, to win it. And, uh, you know, we, we all talk about Jalen and the job that he did, and deservedly so. But A.J. Brown catching those slants and running with the football last year, that was a big part of it, too. It's been amazing, like you said, to watch the paradigm around this position change as we get such an influx of incredible young talent at that spot. It's one of the many reasons we're so excited for this year, as I know you are. Chris, thank you so much. We appreciate the time today. Uh, best of luck with the season coming up. We know it's a long grind, but we can't wait to watch you guys. Let's go, Irish. How about Sam Hartman? A forward pass. What is that? I mean, forward seriously. Pass. I'm telling you, I'm I, 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 I was out there, Chris. He threw his swing pass, and people thought we invented football. It was, it was unreal. <laughs> it was amazing. But, man, it was fun to watch. Great seeing you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris. Appreciate it, man. So 
a lot of football to talk current football here, but I thought I would give everybody a little flavor of Chris Collinsworth years ago. Chris Collinsworth went to Florida. He's a three-time All-American wide receiver. Sure. But he went to Florida as a quarterback. This is when Doug Dickey was the coach, and they ran the option. And he was a quarterback when he first went to Florida and owns and will always at least have it. It's a tie right now, but it will never get beat. His first pass was a 99-yard touchdown pass to Derek Gaffney. So that's, he can only be tied. It can never be beat, and it has been tied. And after that first year, the option, they got smoked in Florida. Another coach came in, changed it to a pro style. He went out to wide receiver. The rest was history there. But went there as a quarterback and will always at least have a part of the longest TD reception in college history. First pass as a college yeah. player. That's a tough way to start, yeah. though, because yeah, everything you, exactly. after that is yeah. downhill. Yeah. Like, you're never going to accomplish greater than that, although I guess Chris kind of did with the whole three-time All-American pretty well. and yeah, yeah. playing in the NFL thing there. But, uh, Dad, I mean, he coming out, not necessarily a hot take, but the Bengals as his Super Bowl choice <laughs> heading into this season. And they are interesting to consider right now relative to the other AFC elite, right? Because I think we look at that conference and it's seen as the by far better conference yeah, between them and the question. NFC. Yes. But the upper crust there really has been them, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Buffalo Bills right. for the last number of years. Now, the Buffalo Bills own losses to both of them in pivotal games here. But for the Cincinnati Bengals, they had interesting comments from Zach Taylor, their head coach, about the status of Joe Burrow right now. We know he's been sitting out most of camp because of that calf injury right. that looked so bad that everyone thought was going to be so bad. And basically said, he's got a healthy body. The reason he's not practicing also has nothing to do with the fact that they haven't reached a long-term extension with him. He's one of the quarterbacks eligible along with his teammate T. Higgins, who's also eligible for an extension. There's nothing to actually worry about in this situation, is there? I don't think so. Everything you've heard from Joe Burrow, he's not going to go for that fully guaranteed deal. Now, again, maybe behind the scenes there's more going on, but it just seems like he'll be that next quarterback to fall in line, Lamar Jackson, then Justin Herbert. Now it'll be Joe Burrow. He'll make his, what, $265 million or whatever it's going to be. I can say, be. it's been basically a yeah, $5 million yeah. dollar total increase from Jalen Hurts yeah. to Lamar Jackson to Joe, and, uh, Justin and, Herbert. And probably the rookie quarterbacks now, if they play great by the time they come up, will probably be in the $300 million area. That's just where we are right now. We'll talk about some of the other holdouts and what they're going to get, the non-quarterbacks. But I don't worry about this. But... They are going to pay him, going to have to pay T. Higgins, and then after next season is when Jamar Chase can get his, re his extension, and you know they want to keep them all. So just as, we, as I said in that interview, you know, Mike Brown is going to be writing some checks, uh, and that's something we didn't see a lot in Cincinnati years ago, but this is a new era, and this is a team ripe right now with as long as they keep those guys, their window of opportunity is going to be locked open for a while because they have some talent to be at the top team in the AFC. And you saw some of the moves that started to happen this offseason that are indicative of getting ready and bracing for those contracts, right? You swapped out and are going with a youth movement in your secondary on defense like Kansas City right. did with Jesse Bates and Von Bell both leaving in free agency. You've acquired you know, another pass rusher in the draft this year. So I'm with you. They've been really tight-lipped about this. I wonder if in this sort of week in this time period here, if this is when you could see something get hammered out, you can get over the finish line. Because, Deb, we know you want to have the quarterback contract. When you know you got a dude, Cincinnati's got no questions. When you know you got the dude, you pay them as soon as possible. They've already let it get far past these other contracts. Could have probably gotten it done. Yeah. Could have gotten it in early before these ones and saved yourself a few million dollars. Because the one thing we know is – 
these contracts age remarkably well for quarterbacks. Like you said, in a few years, those numbers will go up drastically. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to affect them on the right. field. Joe right. Burrow has also missed camp time in each of his first few seasons. Barely played in any preseason. This so, is basically his yeah. routine now. But relative to those other powers, let's talk about some of the other actual holdouts in training camp right now. Two of the best defensive players in football, still not with their teams. And in his division, Chris Jones in that situation with the Kansas City Chiefs, where we saw him tweet publicly, he'd be willing to miss up to week eight. Yep. To send the message, eat the fines, it would be about $7.5 million in fines he would accrue between now and then. Dad, while we know the Chiefs are built for the postseason, if you're looking for one of the biggest differences with them, Chris Jones, beyond him on that defense, there's a whole lot of nothing in the middle of that group where he had 15 and a half sacks last year. Completely agree. Now, can they still get into the postseason without him? I'm sure Sure. they can. And then if he were playing the second half of the season, the one thing you worry about, especially early on, is going to be injury. You know, that soft tissue, a hammy, a quad, a calf, something uh, that would, would knock him down a little bit. We'll wait and see on that. That would be a tough one to miss, but always better to be the first half than the second half of the season. As long as he's there by postseason, I think they'll be all right. But that one has gotten, and we don't read anything about it publicly, but certainly they have seemed to have hit a wall there in those negotiations. You've got him there. You've got Nick Bosa out in San Francisco, which should be painfully obvious to everyone involved. You make him the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history, and you continue to prosper. That's one of the many things we're looking forward to hurrying up towards the season, Jesse, but there's a lot of football to look forward to. So much to look forward to. So much coming your way on the DraftKings Network. Take a look. Can't wait. Buckle up. Football needs to hurry the heck up. We couldn't agree more. This is your invite to a jam-packed week of preseason shows featuring our brightest football minds. We really need to talk about this. Yeah, I'm down to do that. Join us for our hurry-up house party. Tune in and ball out as our hosts drop fantasy, betting, and fan need-to-knows. That way, you'll be more than ready at our live Thursday kickoff show from Kansas City. Watch all the shows on Samsung TV Plus or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Starts Thursday, August 31st on DraftKings Network. Hey dad, what do you do when you're out with friends, the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help? Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision and just order for the table a round of ice cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's talk Ryder Cup captains picks. As you can see on this list, Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Sam Burns, 
and Justin Thomas. A couple of these names definitely going to stir up some uh, controversy here. Guys, Kepka being picked despite leaving the PGA Tour for live, and Thomas not playing well enough to reach the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup playoffs, but many would say he's this era's emotional leader, if you will. So what do we think? We got a guest to help us break this down. Yep, the Action Network's very own Jason Sobel joins us now here. And Jason, it seems to really be that, right? All the focus was on maybe the live and PGA divide here, but is it fair to say Justin Thomas is going to be the most controversial captain's pick of this round of the uh, Ryder Cup? Yeah, from all the people who have been yelling at me on Twitter over the last 24 hours, I can safely say that the Justin Thomas pick is by far the most polarizing in a day that's been the most polarizing day in golf that we see every other year. I mean, there's not another day. There, there are more interesting days. There are more fun days. There's not a more polarizing day in the game of golf than the day that the Ryder Cup captain's picks are announced. We've that number from... Uh, back in the day, they didn't have any to two to four, and now it's six because uh, they just need to leave themselves open to more interpretation. And look, uh, Jesse said it right there. Justin Thomas did not make the FedEx Cup playoffs, missed the cut in three of the four major championships, finished 65th in the other one, did not play his best golf this year, and yet he's been very good at the Ryder Cup. He's a natural partner for Jordan Spieth. There are some very big pros, some very, very big cons on both sides of the list, and Quite honestly, it's a great sports debate right now. Like any great sports debate, we don't have an answer yet. And so you're not right and you're not wrong, no matter which side of the fence you're on. Keegan Bradley's quote about the selection process, he says, I've always been an outsider in the sport, but I've tried to get closer to the guys I thought would be on the team. I feel like moving forward, I'm going to have to automatically qualify to make the team. Is he right? He might be goal. Like I... Look, I, I, I chafe at the notion of this being some sort of old boys club that everyone's selecting their friends and they're going on a buddy's trip to Italy. <laughs> Quite frankly, you get one shot at being the captain. Zach Johnson has never done this before. Zach Johnson is not saying, hey, I just want to bring my friends and have a good time in Rome and who cares about those other guys. Zach Johnson is trying to bring the best team he can to go win. I thought Keegan Bradley would make for a great selection. He would have been on my team. I would have had five of the same players as Zach Johnson. I would have taken Keegan Bradley over Sam Burns, but it's nitpicking there. I don't know that you necessarily have to be part of the quote unquote in crowd. I'm not sure there is an in crowd. You know where Keegan Bradley lives? He lives in South Florida, right down the street from Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler and just about everybody else who is named to this team. So I think you play your best golf and you get on the team. I, I don't like the notion of some of these players didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. Guess what? None of these six players, none of those names you see on the screen right now deserve to be on the team or earned their way onto the team. The top six qualified, they earned it. These guys are trying to go out there. These are the six players that the captain and his assistants deemed the players best suited to help the U.S. team win. And by the way, guys, first time, it, it would be the first time in 30 years for the U.S. team to win on European soil. That's happened in three decades, going back to 1993, I know. I get it. If the U.S. doesn't win next month, a lot of fans are going to say, it's Zach Johnson's fault, bad captain's picks, should have had Keegan, should have had Cameron Young, should have had Tony Finau, Russell Henley, whoever it might have been. And yet, I, I don't know that there's anything better they could have done. I mean, we'll see what happens, but uh, this is a 30-year drought for the U.S. going over there. 
And part of that also in joining that cause is Brooks Kepka, a name you mentioned there, who is this indicative of the melting away of the live PGA divide that we saw kind of ravage the tour for so long in the wake of this merger? I can tell you that nobody less wanted a live player on this team than Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson is a PGA Tour loyalist, but Brooks Kepka quite honestly forced his hand. Brooks Kepka finished second at the Masters, won the PGA Championship, which, of course, is run by the PGA of America, who also runs the American side of the Ryder Cup. I think it was a no-brainer. He nearly qualified on points after only playing four events that had qualification points this year. So uh, that speaks volumes about Brooks Kepka. And as far as any sort of... Uh, any, any sort of animosity in the team room between the 11 PGA Tour players and the one live player. Once again, they all live in South Florida. They all practice together. They all know Brooks pretty well. And Brooks has not been one of those guys who has been, you know, sort of, hey, live is great. And I hate the PGA Tour. He's been very much, even though he's playing live, uh, sort of quiet about the whole dissension between the two tours. So I don't think it necessarily says anything big, but it does say that, Hey, Brooks Kepka is good enough to be on this team because, like I said, Zach Johnson would have loved to bring 12 PGA Tour players to this. Brooks Kepka forced his hand. Jason, as far as the Ryder Cup overall, we have our team and looking at what the European team may look like, where do you see us? Where, where do you see how we could finish? Do we have a good shot to win this thing? Of course we have a shot to win this thing. I am surprised that the U.S. team is still favored and favored by as much as they are right now. At DraftKings, I believe they're minus 130, minus 135 uh, to win, even with a draw thrown in there. The European team will announce their six final captain's picks next week. I think if Luke Donald goes with the the top-heavy strategy, the front-loading strategy, uh, using his superstars for all five matches, which means... Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, who's been playing unbelievable golf recently, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, maybe Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry. He's got some superstars on that team, might not have the depth of the U.S. side, but if those guys all go out and play at least four, maybe five matches, which I, I would assume that they do, I, I think Europe is going to be very tough to beat on their home soil in Italy uh, just a month from now. Like you mentioned, up against a 30-year drought away from U.S. soil uh, for the U.S. team. Going to be very exciting. It's one of the most enjoyable events in golf. Like you said, elicits a lot of emotion, which we love, and we can't wait to see more of at the end of September. Jason, thanks so much. We appreciate all the help, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jace. Dad, the uh, other portion of this, and you mentioned the European yeah. team here. Yeah. Victor Hovland, who is the, the face of this right now, had himself a season right now. This man laughing all the way to the bank, shot by shot. It's amazing. After the last, the last two tournaments where he won the FedEx, the last two tournaments he won over $21 million. Over $34 million he won. We have it broken down uh, a shot by shot on what he made per tournament, per shot. I believe it came down to, for his season, he made over $5,000 per golf shot. He did. I if, mean, you break, if you break it down, and we've got the graphic on screen right here, over $1.4 million per event, $19,000 a hole. A hole. Dad, I mean, that's the one to me that sticks out because most golfers, when you go out and play around, you're right, betting with your right. friends, you're betting however much you want a hole, five, 10 bucks, 20 bucks a hole. We've obviously got some friends with a little richer taste who will play right. more than that. $19,000 a hole. 
as the bet that he is winning every single time based on how well he's played is absolutely I, insane. It's just stunning when you break it. You see that the total winnings is, oh, it's cool. I won a ton of money, especially in the last two weeks. But when you break it down like that, you know who's got to be really happy is Caddy. Caddy's normally get at least 10%. Good luck. And then who knows what kind of bonuses go in there. But 34 mil, that's 3.4 mil with my quick math that he's getting right off the top of t- 10%. But then you do, you think about it, 5000 a shot, $19,000 a hole. The way I was golfing over in Ireland, I should owe them money every shot, the way I was hitting it. I mean, it's incredible the money they made. Yeah, all those numbers would just be in the red with the fun minus in front to remind you that you were, in fact, sad and bad at golf. Like I just wanted to leave... The balls, I, they had it with our Golic Family Foundation on the ball, so I figured I'd lose some out there. Maybe somebody would find it and make a So donation. you were just doing it for charity. It's exactly oh right. Oh, my would, God. Yeah. You were being charitable. Yeah. It's kind of guy I am. For you your give and you I, give. I, I didn't naturally have that slice of that hook or hit it onto a beach or into the rough. I didn't do that on purpose. No. No, no. Totally. Of for course For charity. Not. I stink. For the kids. For the What's kids. For? It's okay. Oh, my God. Well, I could say looking forward to the Ryder Cup. We mentioned the Justin Thomas portion of things. I do think you have to factor in the overall team morale. He's a glue guy. He's a guy that, like you said, has a natural partner, has thrived in this stage. And it's not just about the overall year performance. It's, hey, what do you do when we're in this setting here? How do you respond to this specific format? I think that's important. It's going to be fascinating to watch. But coming up next, let's hear from one of the most important voices in college basketball on the changes that we've seen in the transfer portal. Next. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, guys, we still have plenty of Gojo and Golik to get to this morning. But coming up at 10 a.m. on DK Network, catch up on the latest episode of Anik and Florian. They've got everything you need to know, all the hot gossip going down in UFC. But, guys, John Calipari, he had some choice words uh, for the transfer portal. Let's uh, take a listen. Yeah, so as you can see, it is one and done, too. Everybody was mad about a young player coming in and only staying one year. Well, now... We're doing it with older players. It's the same as one and done. Guys, is this a little ironic here? Is this big, are we being big brained? I feel like I'm being gaslit yeah. right now. And like, I, I've always enjoyed getting to interact with Cal. And I've, he's great in front of a microphone. I saw him all day on ESPN yesterday. That guy knows, kind of like we talk about with Nick Saban, Dad. When John Calipari gets in front of a microphone, he knows exactly the point he wants to make and who he wants to make it to, and the weight that his voice tends to carry. But for a guy who has quite literally been the poster of one and done in the modern era of college basketball, it seems weird that he would war against anything in the system like this. I, I, and also some of the other comments about, you know, four, four seasons to play in five years, that's, that's where we are now. Again, we kind of have to carve out the pandemic, right, where we still have another couple of years of 
players who got that extra year. I mean, when yeah. we're calling college football games, you know, it was like the, who were the super seniors, yeah, you know, the names that were going around. So, Sam Hartman. So once we're going to get, at some point in the next couple of years, we're going to get back to the norm, which is you basically get five years to play four, four seasons, right? Whether it's injury, sometimes you get a sixth if an injury, a hardship. So we're already doing that. And then for the portal, he talked about basically one free shot, right? You get, you get to transfer and play right away once. Other than that, you have to sit. Well, that's basically a rule right now anyway that that the NCAA just hasn't been enforcing, but they're starting to now. Yeah, so the rule had been since they made that change, hey, you get a one-time free transfer without penalty unless you're a graduate. Once you've graduated, you fulfilled your obligation right, to the university, right. then as a graduate transfer, you can transfer to anywhere and play that right doesn't away. have a graduate program offered at your right. school. Right. But you're right. We have seen guys be able to use the hardship waivers. Basically, they're moving back home because they've got to be close to a relative. Something about their situation is deemed this necessary. And in college football right now, this preseason has been full of players awaiting the results on that because you're right, the NCAA has started to push back on what had seemingly been guys being able to transfer almost at will multiple times in their college career here, which... Dad, I've never had a problem with. John Calipari brought up the stat about the number of players who wound up going into the portal and then walking out without scholarships. Now, according to NCAA data, of the 1,385 D1 men's basketball players on scholarship who entered the portal last year, 262 of them were left without a scholarship in the right. new school. Cal also talked about the effects of coaches holding scholarships. Holding scholarships right for players that might potentially shake loose and that costing high school players. Basically, he's saying, hey, this is having a negative effect on the coaches because we've got to deal with all this and a negative effect on players. Dad, to me, all of that reeks of a new system that we're still learning about here. exactly right. And my thought has always been, and the Spartan people that I've heard talking about the portal in college football and in basketball have said, I think you need enough time to reach equilibrium. Because eventually, you know who's going to realize, hey, sometimes looking without le- or leaping without looking may not be beneficial to me, is going to be the players. When you see a guy you played AAU with, a guy you played high school with, a guy who was on your team, leap into the portal because they think of better opportunities out there, and all of a sudden find that, oh, now I've got to drop down to the FCS level right. and play football potentially. Now I'm thinking about other options and opportunities. Those cautionary tales might prompt players with more information on this process to then make different decisions going forward. I won't say better or worse. I'll say different. Listen, not every player is making the right decision but it's their choice at least to make the decision. And that's what I'm happy about. And listen, some are getting bad advice. Some are, as you mentioned, are transferring in the basketball world and not having scholarships. Some in football try to transfer too much, transfer two or three times and never get the outcome they want but they have the choice. And sometimes it can be a bad choice and that's okay. So for every coach complaining about what's going on, what I say about it is deal with it. It's not going anywhere. Now, could we have better guidelines, okay, for NIL? Are we going to get some guardrails and who's going to make those guardrails? Nope. We said it is a one-time transfer and you play right away after that, you're supposed to sit. But players have been getting away with it and now the NCAA is starting to crack back down. Give us the guidelines. What are we doing? Don't move the goalposts on us, okay? Let's try and figure out some rules, which has been difficult for the NCAA because they're too worried about if a coach buys a burger for somebody, you know, to suspend them. So you'll wonder where their, where their focus is at times. But these, these things are here. Yes, is it tougher on coaches? Yes, tough. Get over it. 
deal with it. Just like in baseball, you have a pitch clock now. Everybody complained about it. You know, in a year or two, it's going to be the norm. We just had, I think it was last week, the first day where there were almost 5,000 pitches on a full slate uh, a day of games, and there was no pitch clock violations. Pitchers and batters, get used to it. You'll get used to the system in college. It's a little more chaotic, but you'll get used to it because it's not going back. No, and we've already seen, right, this evolve through the first couple of years. Now, in all sports, you've got windows where players can enter the transfer portal. Before, it used to be any time. You were always worried about a player being able to leave. Now, you've got defined areas. You've got defined time periods for these coaching staffs. I do think there are things around the rules of college football we can do to help coaches out going forward more, right? Some of the things about the recruiting calendar and schedule for them, right. wholly unsustainable. You are going to burn these guys out. And on that end, I do feel for them. They are getting used to a new normal right here. And maybe there are some older coaches in the sport who have gotten to do one thing one way for a long time who might decide it's not worth their effort anymore. Would totally understand that. There is going to be a young crop of coaches who would happily expect accept that responsibility, those challenges, with the price tag that comes along with it right now. Because no one was worried about how often you jump when Willie Taggart jumped through three schools in three years, right. going from Oregon right. to Florida State and all that stuff in there. Coaches have been allowed to go and make those mistakes potentially, but also seek those opportunities. Cal underscored the real game here. Four, five years to do four years of eligibility. That's all you've got. Right. That's why yep. I'll continue to pound the drums and say, we've got to find ways to make this something with maybe a little bit more structure to help everyone be able to make these decisions in a calendar they can stick with, while also still understanding these young people have four years of college eligibility to try and either make themselves marketable enough to now achieve NIL in college, make themselves ready enough to right. go and reap that benefit when they go professional in whatever their sport is, or just enjoy playing the sport they've played their entire life that's helping pay for their education right now. I have no problem with a player that is looking to get some more to get on tape to make it to the NFL. 2% of the players out of college make it to the NFL. 98% think they're going to make it to the NFL. And that's okay. That's okay to think you can be there and try and set yourself up in a position to get a good look and have the chance. And then whether you make it or not, You'll see. School is there. You have the ability to go to your classes and get your education. And now, because of the added responsibilities, we're starting to see schools hire people for specifically, you know, all the players that are going to come available in the portal and be able to yeah. just handle that instead of, oh, one of the assistant coaches also handles the recruiting. A lot of time, maybe it's a special team coach, also the recruiting coordinator for high school, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Now you have thousands more in the portal, so you need more help there. You need others to a, a job established to handle that. So it, it's like adapt. It is. It's adapt or die, right? This well, is the new normal. Adapt to it and figure out a way to work it to your advantage. And it is funny to think about the different effects it's going to have in different places, right? Because so many people looked and said, well, it's going to turn smaller schools into feeding programs for these larger schools. There's the other way, and we've seen this happen with a lot in quarterbacks in college football, and I'd be curious for a guy like Cal, who's done such a great job recruiting one-and-done level talent, high-level guys coming out of high school, who maybe now get to Kentucky and aren't necessarily liking their role. And like we see in college football, hey, you've got a room full of quarterbacks, only one guy gets to play. And so if you're the guys in the back there, we see guys shoot out, and right. all of a sudden can help affect other programs. You're seeing people able to go say, well, 
I might not have had a chance at this guy coming out of high school, but now all of a sudden he gets to the school that he originally wanted to go to, and maybe the same opportunities now there, and so now you get food, uh, teams further down the food chain that are the beneficiaries of this. I don't know what it's going to look like in college basketball. Cal's going to feel this in a different way than a lot of other coaches, but we've seen in football plenty of programs around the country have benefited from quarterbacks being able to shoot out from the Georgias and Ohio States of the world that naturally have brought in so much talent in those positions that used to have to sit and wait their turn now gets to go and affect the outcome of college football in a lot of different ways going forward. So we'll wait and see. Another year of data coming up in that world. But let's talk fashion on the way out here. Coming up next, LeBron James <laughs> on and off the court, setting the tempo the rest of us will follow. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. Let's finish up uh, Gojo and Golik the way that we always have. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. But you can also get us DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, and, of course, both hours podcasted wherever you get your podcasts. So... Uh, let's get to these stories, Dad and Jesse. And let's start off with a pretty cool notion here, especially, I know, big around these parts in Boston. There's a new women's uh, professional hockey league that is launching right now. The PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League, announced six teams in Boston, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the New York City area, which could also include Connecticut, New Jersey, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. The details on the home arenas, team names, and logos are still coming together, but this is coming in the wake of there have been two competing women's right. professional leagues. We had one dissolve, and so now we've got one league here, which is great for the NHL, who's sort of a consultant partner in all this, but who certainly wants to help, didn't want to get in between the two-league divide right, before, right. but now I think is going to be a much bigger part of this, as we'll see. The PWHL also represented at events like NHL All-Star Weekend, and a lot of things to help grow a game that a lot of people love. Trying this, to follow that WNBA, NBA model. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Now that there's just the one league, and they don't have to choose between a couple of leagues there. So three teams in the U.S., three teams in Canada, 24-game schedule. But that is the most important element of it because we've seen other leagues come and go is if the NHL gets involved, right? That's what we keep waiting for in football. We have USFL, we've had XFL, we've had different iterations of those over the years and none have stuck to be kind of that 
te those teams for the NFL, and we still wonder if that's going to happen. We see it, obviously, with the WNBA and how they have flourished now over yeah. the years. So let's see if that can happen in women's hockey to be associated and the NHL associating with them. And this is all privately funded. And they said to that point, Dad, because we talk about when leagues start up, you're not usually going to be profitable right away. And they said they've walked into this with a 10-year plan. Mm -hmm. They have an understanding, hey, we might not make as much money early on this, but we've got a vision for how we want this to go. They're going to get ready, and I believe, to name the six GMs of the franchises here coming up soon and then begin the process of player acquisition and all the things as they flesh this out. But a great start and great to see it dealt with, one, that level of sincerity, financial interest, but also an eye towards the future, that this isn't just about starting a league for this year or next year, but trying to make this viable for women in this sport for the next decade but, plus. But I'll quickly say it all depends on how much you're willing to lose, because we heard the same thing with the USFLs and the XFLs when they tried it. It's like we know we're going to lose money, and then all of a sudden they're gone, because they're losing that money, they're losing more than they thought they were going to lose. So I don't know what kind of war war chest they have. We keep talking about that with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, in the XFL. They're losing money. How much are you willing to lose before you move on? So it's going to be the same thing with this with this new league as well. It's Dodgers co-owner uh, Mark Walter and his wife. Yes. So they've like fully funded this venture. And they the PWHL said that they received interest from independent potential owners like for each team. They're deciding to keep it all under one umbrella right, for this inaugural right. season. But it sounds like the uh, war chests are pretty deep, but t time will tell. Yeah, and, and we've seen, Dad mentioned the WNBA. I think we've seen a lot of renewed interest now. The TV numbers have right. long since yep. been there for a lot of different women's sports, but the financial opportunity and the growth opportunity it presents, I think, is piquing the interest of a lot of people. And so hopefully we'll continue to see success there. Let's get to that, though, an area we have already seen plenty of success. Yeah. The Nebraska women's volleyball team. Ooh, look at phenomenal. this photo. Yeah. Just look at how insane that looks. Uh, that is Memorial Stadium. So, guys, that's actually going down today. Two outdoor women's volleyball matches. First of their kind, like you said, it's uh, being held at the epicenter of college volleyball, Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, volleyball day in Nebraska. And, guys, this is expected to be huge. I mean, the numbers on this, I think I saw 91,000 people are right. expected. Which would break the world right. for the most attended women's sporting event in the world. That current Ooh. record was sent at a 2022 UEFA Women's Champions League match in Barcelona with 91,648. But, Dad, these are five-time national championship Cornhuskers yeah. who saw uh, Wisconsin actually originally did yes. this yeah. at the Kohl Center up there, drew a huge crowd of a little over 16,000. And so Nebraska said, anything you can do, we can do many magnitudes of many, order better than better, that yeah. at a place that is deeply passionate about their women's volleyball. I don't think there's any doubt they'll set this record. They'll have all kind of entertainment around it uh, as well. I love when they put other sports in the stadiums like they do with hockey and the NHL. Yeah. I think that is so cool. But I'm going to tell you the one thing that but through Nebraska mm -hmm. is trying to say Talk about how it. big this is. Mm. And that is the chancellor of Nebraska is trying to get it okayed to sell beer at these volleyball matches. They're not even allowed to sell beer at the football games. They're in that stadium. Which, quite frankly, as of late, they haven't earned. Yeah, that's very true. He wants there to be beer sold at the volleyball games. That's when you know it's a big deal. That's big-time <laughs> stuff right now. The chancellor also canceled school today yeah, at Nebraska for this. Yeah, virtual classes. They got a Scotty McCreary concert. That's my kind of chancellor right yeah. there. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's like going all in. I'm not like other chancellors. I'm yeah. a cool I'm a chancellor. chancellor. Because you know if they had school, there'd be that one teacher that gave a quiz. Oh, yeah. There's or always like, that one. You are not dismissed. The yeah. bell is ringing. You yeah. are not dismissed. <laughs> oh, God. There's got to be some hater teachers on that campus. Oh, without a doubt. There's like, always the couple that don't want to go yeah. along uh, with the whole athletic oh, thing. Sports. They're going to have class yeah. anyway. Yeah. They're going to be like, you got to come into class yeah. and sign and in. Exactly. And sign, get, the whole yeah. sign in thing. Yeah. Amen. I got a better idea. I'm going to go booze and watch volleyball. Hell yeah, brother. Sign me up. All right, congratulations in advance to Nebraska, and I'm sure shattering that record. Yep. Yeah. But, Jesse, let's finish off the day oh boy. with some fashion. It's uh, called courtesy of Fashion Sweetie. Mm. It's called Fashion Sweetie. LeBron James, just, just look at the video. Can we just, just bring up the video? Because you'll understand what we're talking about when we say Fashion Sweetie. So, definitely just chilling in the kitchen, minding my own business. And I'm getting ready for bed. This comes walking around. <laughs> I'm getting ready for bed. I don't know what y'all want, but this is my night. Look like you about to bounce up out of here. I'm gonna bounce my ass in that bed. <laughs> Look at this fit. Look at this fit. That fit is garbage. Well, I, I got some nerves. So <laughs> We talked about the generational divide before with Chris Collinsworth about how you said you guys are the only generation that gets dumber as you get older, according to the younger generation. Come on, got to be weird for LeBron because he's seen as a mogul, he's seen as an icon, he's seen as cool by the rest of the world. Probably getting roasted in his own house every day by Bronny Bryce and his other. Well, and, and, sure, and that's not a onesie yeah. either, right? It's not a onesie. It's not so a onesie. for anyone, top and bottom. Right, right. Okay. And anyone just listening on the podcast, it's just basketballs all over it. Yes. Yeah. Guy lives, eats, breathes, and apparently sleeps basketball. Did he said he was? They said that's what he was going to sleep in. I mean, yeah. How he said, These hot are, my night are you going to be in that outfit? Yeah. Well, I think I night mean, clothes is just what he's wearing before bed. I can't imagine he is wearing that full sweatsuit. I mean, that would be an absolutely psychotic move to go to sleep. That would be crazy, right? Aren't we? Don't we all sleep nude? I mean, isn't that the way we go? Yeah, I mean, basically. Isn't that what we? Isn't that? Yeah, I think most. I think that's definitely most men do. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, I've been chastised to never even think about that in my household. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's not even a funny joke. I know my mom wouldn't let that fly. You guys sleep with three dogs in your bed. You stay far away on the other side. Dogs are in the bed. Hank, Harry, the two pugs and Ted the Bulldog, all in the bed. Where, like, in between you guys? In between us, okay. yes, yes. They're not and even at the foot. They're no, like... they, some start there, they move around. It's a, it's a, it's a whole it's thing. It's amazing. We love it, though. They, they, if you roll over at all, because I was house-sitting for you yeah. guys, so I got to sleep with the dogs, <laughs> and if you roll over at all, I was taking up maybe a tenth of the bed by yeah. the end of the night. Yeah. They just absorb the space, and they try and shove you off. It is their bed, and I was just taking yeah, yeah, up residency. But you have two pugs, so there's room in there, but then you have a bulldog, and, and, and every night the Bulldog looks up and says, wait a minute, these two little flat facers get to be on the bed and I don't? So how are you going to say no? You have to say yes, yeah. but then you've just Pandora's box. Then you got three dogs in the bed taking up the whole space. They and, are. and they all snore. Oh, my oh, God, do they oh, snore? No. Yeah, it's so does my wife. Well, no, she doesn't. She doesn't snore. This is the dogs. It's That's the dogs. Mine. It's the dogs. It's the, dogs. the dogs. It's definitely the dogs. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I do, uh, and Jesse, I'm glad you pointed out, though, the biggest issue with this. Stolen onesie valor. As someone who's yeah. often rocked a onesie, and I found out the other day, Tipsy L's where I bought it was a Shark Tank company. Had no oh. idea. Oh. I got a great Christmas onesie from them that I proudly bust out at holiday parties. Yes. But 
like women who wear rompers or men who wear the romp hymns, you got to deal with the fact that if you're wearing a true onesie, you got to basically get butt naked to pee. LeBron's stolen valor. He just gets to drop the pants. That's exactly Yeah, that right. is not a onesie. Okay? No, it's not. Let's just put that out there. Not a onesie. Either live it with the rest of us or kindly get out. Except for you guys, if you're here, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and come back and join us tomorrow. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you then. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.